What's going on, everybody? This is Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And as the NHL is returned, and I'm very excited for that, I'm also a very big UFC fan. And there's also a return coming in that next week. The return we have all been waiting for is finally here. UFC's most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. So be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, for a shot to turn $1 into $257. Now, I like to sports bet, so that sounds like pretty good odds to me. That's right, new users can bet $1 on Conor McGregor to win by knockout in the first round, and if he does, you'll be cashing in $257. Bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code THPN for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by my counterpart, Nicholas J. Horwat. How are you doing this week, Horwat? We got a victory we to did. talk about. Yes. At, at, what, at, at what cost? I don't know. Uh, but we got a victory, and we move on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- that's, the, that's the big thing. We finally cracked the goose egg in the win column which is something that had been bothering us for the past, you know, couple days, about five days since the puck dropped on Wednesday. But we finally got a win. And, of course, it was against the Washington Capitals, so that makes it even better, probably ten times better. And we'll get to talking to that a little bit later, as well as the game that happened on, I believe, was it Friday night against Mm -hmm. the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll talk about both of those games coming up in the second segment. But, of course, there's some Pens news that we need to get to as far as mostly – off-ice stuff, if not a little bit leaning into the the on-the-ice stuff. Let's start with Jared McCann. He was fined $10,000 for his hit on Philadelphia's Travis Sanheim, probably mainly because he's a first-time offender. He didn't get suspended for the hit. He was penalized during the game on Friday for his hit. Horat, were you surprised at all at the fact that McCann was not suspended for this elbowing infraction? I really don't know, because... I say I don't know because uh, NHL player safety is a gong show at all times. So I, d- I just think I saw he was going to have a hearing and I really just didn't know what to expect. I was kind of just bracing for whatever because that's kind of how player safety works. Just whatever they feel is what you deserve, is what you get. That's So I don't know. I, I got nothing on it. It's player safety being player safety. Ten grand is the maximal, max maximum allowable underneath the cba which they put that on basically every fine that they announce and i don't understand i mean i guess for certain infractions there's a maximum you're allowed to find them i guess and, and i don't know there's probably a factor into whether or not he's been suspended before yeah and the, the uh, 
severity of the fence, the injury of the player, I, I think that all factors in. And that's why McCain was dinged for 10000 And it could have been a lot worse. I, I definitely thought, especially hearing that he was getting a hearing, that I thought he was getting at least a, a one or two game suspension, which would have been unfortunate because in the first two games against Philly, Jared McCann was one of the bright spots for the Pittsburgh Penguins. There weren't many for the Pens, but McCann had played very well. As, as, I mean, that whole third line played pretty well throughout those first two games. And that, I mean, considering everything happening with Sperry Kapanen at the beginning of the season, considering the way those first couple of games went where the Penguins controlled the play but didn't really put anything away, and every time they made a mistake, it ended up in their own net. This was basically the first break for the Pittsburgh Penguins and hopefully the first of what will be many because they lucked out in getting to keep Jared McCann in their lineup. Yeah, I mean, we also kind of found some bad luck in not putting Drew O'Connor in, but to each is their own, and Drew O'Connor will get his time eventually, I guess. It just <clears throat> excuse me, it just won't come at the hands of a suspension. But, I don't know. I was excited to see Drew O'Connor play. I'm still excited to see him play. Eventually he'll get in that lineup, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He has to. The thing is, he, he was, whenever they thought Jared McCann was going to be out, he, he was the next guy up. That's already good for him, considering they didn't think that he would have been the next man up. Now, of course, you know, with Kapanen coming back, it's going to be dumped down a little bit further, but we've already seen a little bit of, of, of different decision-making from the Pittsburgh Penguins when that comes to, to the way they want to structure their next man up system. As far as that goes, you can look at the fact that on Sunday's game, Yuso Rikula got in the lineup for the very first time, and that was due to an injury to Mike Matheson, which we learned after the game. He's going to be out longer term with an upper body injury. I don't remember him getting hurt. Do you? Nope. I don't remember him getting hurt. I don't remember it being an upper body injury. I'm shocked they said that much. And I this just kind of came as a bit of a surprise, especially considering that it seemed like Sullivan wanted to keep playing him and he straight up said like he wasn't a healthy scratch today he got hurt uh, it, it was interesting it was definitely interesting it kind of screws us by way of uh, Matheson and I mean I know we're beginning trade discussions already I mean I doubt Matheson's involved in any of those because of his contract sucks but now he definitely isn't going anywhere and I believe his I don't, from what I remember, his no trade clause, he currently doesn't have one, I think, but it kicks in later. So if that's the case, uh, we're screwed. I'm going to try and pull it up real quick, though. There's no chance that the Penguins are even thinking about trading Mike Matheson. Like, that's not something that has come across Jim Rutherford's mind, especially after two games. And we're going to get into overreactions and, you know, for the Pittsburgh Penguins and what the fan base ha has provided us entertainment wise over the past week some overreactions as well but mike matheson is not going anywhere why would they trade for mike matheson like they didn't want to get rid of patrick hornfist that bad you're right i mean it's just but you see the way two games is the, the way the first two games went um then the rumors swirl around about roslevic which we'll get into Oh, and along with those rumors came the fact that Jim Rutherford is quote unquote not afraid. Who I it could be shipping anyone out. I would I mean I'm not saying Matheson's good or bad. He hasn't had his chance to really give a shot with the team, but 
who cares? It's a short season. I care because that that plays into the sanity of the general manager and whether or not he can actually be fit to do his job. Because if he traded uh, Patrick Hornfist, who, yes, I thought it was time to trade Patrick Hornfist, but if he traded him for a guy that you're just going to get rid of in Mike Matheson after just playing two games or like even, even to talk about him in trade talks unless somebody is willing to offer you the sun and the moon, why why would you even think about doing that? Colton Sevier's a different story because I feel like Sevier was just a toss-in that Phil, uh, Florida could get rid of because it seems like he might be in and out of the lineup already. I mean, he scored a goal on Sunday, but at the same time, I don't think he is cemented in his place on the fourth line, mainly because he was a throw-in. The main piece for the Penguins coming back was getting Mike Matheson. So there's not a chance, even prior to learning about his long-term injury right now and his upper body injury, there was not a chance in my mind that Mike Matheson was going to get traded this season unless, you know, shit really hit the fan with the Pittsburgh Penguins and, and you can't judge that two games into a season. I want to know when his no trade clause kicks in specifically. Or it's modified at least, but I just mean when specifically his, like the, what's the date on that? I'm not sure with, with, with all that specifics. I'm sure Cap Friendly probably has that in there but at the same time i'm not too worried mainly because now he's hurt and he's not going to get traded he's he's not getting he's not going anywhere yeah but sevier yes i could see him potentially being a guy that goes back the other way here's the thing the rumors that have been swirling around jack roslovich of the winnipeg jets when it comes to what we would have to give up to get a guy like jack roslovich it's not much mainly because one he's not signed He's a restricted free agent. He's not playing for Winnipeg as of right now. And two, he's a bottom six guy. He's he's not a guy that's going to play top six minute. I've I've seen a couple people say that they think that he should be on, you know, in in the top six. Try to give him a chance. He plays. He could play well with Crosby or play well with Gensel. I I don't know if I necessarily see that. I also want to see Kasperi Kapanen play up there before I want to give anybody mm-hmm. a, a, another shot up there. And we'll get into that, of course, when we get into talking about the Philadelphia, the second Philadelphia game and, of course, Washington game on Sunday. But Roslovich, I mean, he's requested a trade from Winnipeg. Obviously, he's not happy with where he's at. That's why he hasn't signed a contract to start this season. He would be bottom six the whole way through if we brought him in. So my question is, do the Pittsburgh Penguins really need another depth piece right now for the bottom six? No, we have too many of those as it is. You're trying to figure out what's going to work in the bottom six. And yeah, so far the bottom six hasn't played horribly in the first three games. They've scored a lot more goals than we would have expected them to in these three outings. But at the same time, why add another name to that list? You like Drew O'Connor. We talked about that a couple minutes ago. Why, what is wrong with Drew O'Connor? If you're thinking so highly of him, why would you bring in a guy like Roslovic? And yes, he scored 12 goals last year. Yes, he had 28 points last year, but at the same time, it doesn't make sense that they would be in on that. And like I said a little bit earlier, it goes to the sanity of Jim Rutherford. I'm not sure why he's already uneasy. Yes, you lost two games, but give yourself a chance. There hasn't been a regular or preseason. You had a lot of new players on there. Not only did they lose those first two games, but on the other hand, they outplayed the Philadelphia Flyers for large portions of those games. They just couldn't finish. And then, of course, they couldn't you know, get the big save when they needed it or couldn't get the big defensive play when they needed it. So I'm not sure... Let's get into let's get into overreaction. There's an overreaction. Is Jim Rutherford able to do this anymore? Is he you know is he able to sit there 
and take the decisions that he made and stand by them longer than three weeks. Because as of right now, him looking to sign Roslevic, he's not confident. That, that tells me that he's not confident in the team that he put out on the ice on January 13th. And I have no idea why. It could be that he's just not confident in someone. Because... I don't... I, the Roslevic thing is weird. Like, it, it's interesting that we're not even... Th- that we weren't even three games into the season and discussions like this were starting. I would have figured we'd at least get a week in and maybe we'd go headhunting for a bigger name than someone who's not signed. Also, he's not signed. I'm not saying he's going to cost much, but he's also from the Canadian division. You're not going to get him for a week. If, if not more. Yeah. I, I just... I really just on the fence about the whole that whole idea of of Roslovic specifically it's so mm-hmm. weird to me yeah especially because our bottom six is fine i've seen nothing too bad with it i I've mean, loved our third line oh my god i love the third line i love the third line i was gonna mention that at some point but i love the third line it's perfect beautiful don't touch it as for the fourth though i mean it's also solid i, I don't hate it and it's coming together still. It's only three games into the season, and it's a fourth line. What and that goes do? for everyone, really. Like, I don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't know how to feel about it, because, yeah. I mean, Rutherford in his recent trade history is just, oh, it's been questionable at least. But, man, I don't know. I got nothing on it. I have, I've also never seen the kid play. I have. No idea. I've just seen... I'm just looking at his hockey reference and just 29 points last season. He's got a hat trick in his career. That's cool. Uh, he's never scored a goal in the playoffs. Failed on a penalty shot. I, he just seems like a dude. I, I don't... He's a depth... He's literally yeah. through, through a depth NHLer right now. Possibly replacement level. I mean, not to mention the fact that he's not signed. That's the big thing for me. He is not signed. And you even mentioned, I didn't even think about the fact... He's coming from the Canadian division. So why? Why do you need him on the team right now? Is is there a certain spot that you think is so weak that you need to make a trade to bring somebody in? What Are you, you going to trade draft capital for a guy you don't need? I mean, it, it has come to the point where we need to have a microscope on, on Jim Rutherford, it almost seems like. And yeah, if we're going to talk about overreactions, maybe that is an overreaction. But at the same time, it's not like he's made you know, grand slam moves in the last three seasons. There's been a lot of questionable signings. There's been a couple questionable trades. And with that, there has been some good trades and some good signings that have worked out. I mean, yes, neither of us are going to argue about the Brandon Tanev signing as of right now, but the Cody CC signing, he played in one game and now he's on the bench. That just goes to show that Mike Sullivan has a little bit more, more balls to stand up to Rutherford's decision-making this year than he did in, in the seasons past. But at the same time, what are, you, what are we doing here? Are we going to continue to kick the can down the road with draft capital for guys that are subpar players in the NHL that don't really improve your roster all that much? Or are we going to actually keep those picks and possibly use them for a decent piece a little bit later down the road and not overreact less than five games into a season? I don't know. Uh, we are the city of overreactions. And uh, I don't know. Just the idea of a trade right now just seems weird especially a Canadian division trade. I'm sorry, but I just, we shouldn't be wasting our time with trying to trade with the Canadian team because of that week layoff. I mean, when you do a trade, when you trade for someone, usually you bring them in for immediate help. Not, Mm -hmm. hey, I need help in a week. 
Things could turn around in a week. We haven't even gotten Kasperi Kapanen on the ice yet. Yeah. All he's done is skate. I mean, once. Yeah. It, it just all feels very, very, very weird to me. But, I mean, hey, this is. This is the time. It's gonna be a weird year. I guess I should. We I guess we should get used to it. Yeah, and we expected it to be a crazy season. We expected the fans to go crazy because of how intense these games are gonna be, how intense this division is gonna be as a whole. But after Wednesday and after Friday, there was a lot of overreactions, and I loved it because it is just a microcosm of everything Penn's Twitter is. During a season, we mentioned last week that this is now our fourth season covering this team in some sort of capacity on a radio show or a podcast. And the first week already has been a microcosm of everything social media for the Pittsburgh Penguins has been for the past four seasons. So many overreactions, and we'll get into it now. What we're going to do, we're going to give you our overreactions, and then in the next segment, we'll give you our actual observations, the intelligent ones that are made not as overreactions, but Hey, this is something to keep an eye on. Let's start with overreactions. Horwat, how many overreactions do you have before we get into this? I'm I'm currently scrolling Facebook comments looking for a few more. I just um, mean your personal overreactions yeah. is a joke. Like As for my personal ones, I got one, two, eh, two before this two? Bef- Okay. Two before this this game, and then I came up with two more, even though we won. Yes. Uh, I still came up with two more though. Okay, well, uh, if you so have four, four, I only have three, so I'll let you say your first first two right now. My first two right now immediately go to Jari and Latang. It's time to send Latang to the glue factory, <laughs> and um, uh, maybe we should have kept Flurry around. Yeah, there, that's Flurry, not, not even Mar- not even Murray, but Flurry. I'm not going back into that hole. Listen, we all <laughs> we all bought our Pittsburgh clothing company attire the other day. I think we're all past it. <laughs> Yeah, those, those are some pretty ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous uh, overreactions. I think th- I'm along the same lines as you. I mean, my first overreaction, we should definitely be putting Brandon Tan up on the first line with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, shouldn't we? We should, we should definitely break up that third line since we've been complaining ever since HBK left that you know we haven't had a good third line. But once we finally get one, I think we should definitely break it up to put a guy that has never scored more than 20 goals in the NHL up on the first line with Sidney Crosby. Hey, you know what? Speed, though. Listen, I'm not arguing that Brandon Tanev is a good player. He's probably one of the best players for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, you know, putting him up on the first line, again, overreaction because of how good he played in the first couple games and how bad Evan Rodriguez played on that top line. We'll get to that in a a little bit God, he played terrible. There's my other overreaction. Someone get Evan Rodriguez off my team. I'm not as, as far to say off the team. Listen, he has been exposed as not a first line NHL player. We were hoping at the beginning of the season that, hey, you know, Crosby has made some players look pretty good in his career. He made Connor Sherry look like a, a suitable first-line player. He made Chris Kunitz a guy that was worthy of being on the Canadian Olympic team in 2014, which was not something that should have happened. And then he also, you know, Pascal Dupuis. But these guys were all better than Evan Rodriguez. And at least they are better than what he has shown so far. And he did score a goal on Sunday. I'm not going to take that away from him. But you know what? Banking it off of your skate does not make you a first-line player. So nope. I don't Connect- think he should be Connect- off the Connect- team. did it twice. Well, that's true. Konechny did do it twice. But Konechny did it with a little bit more, you know, making it not look like an accident. Whereas uh, 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 His hat-trick goal looked like an accident. <laughs> he almost cracked his ankle off the post. I'm a little salty at the Flyers and Capitals. I'm just... I've. 
I have been stressed watching these games. You're going to be stressed for 53 more games for a while. I, I was just stressed because we didn't have a W yet. I'm at least breathing a little easier. Well, it, it, that, that, that should make everybody feel a little bit better now that the Penguins have a win. And they actually have some standings points, which is nice. And not to mention, you know, getting your first win over the Washington Capitals, as I mentioned, probably a little bit earlier. That That's it's always what you strive for, especially. But I have a, a, another one. The Penguins do not have a defenseman that can work on the power play well. They don't have one in their in their organization. Yeah, that's fair. They that's don't. Fair. Chris Letang is not a good power play defenseman, and the problem is behind him, and I'm not sure there is anybody else. John Marino has started to get power play time on power play two, but he hasn't looked good on power play two. He's still young, and he could you know build on that skill, but at the same time, I I don't think they have one right now. That's that is a bit of an overreaction as well. Two, two, two games in to say that we don't have a defenseman in the organization that can play well and perform on the power play is not great. But, again, it is an overreaction. Absolutely. Like I said, my overreaction toward Latang is to send him to the glue factory. Um, no, our workhorse is still our workhorse. Just he doesn't help himself out sometimes. That's all it is. We what are know... there... Go ahead. I was about to say, just just unload your overreactions. Which other ones do you have? Oh, yeah, so my other two come... Um, ones that I've discussed before. First one is... Are watching our three-on-three overtime... This team should not be slow. Huh. I hate it. I, especially especially whenever the Capitals did this, were doing the same sort of situation where... Both teams were playing the wait-for-them-to-make-the-first-move type play. And mm-hmm. I was bored out of my mind. That is not the point of this three-on-three. It's not. And my other overreaction is, why the hell, I'm going back to Latang. why the hell is Latang still on our shootout? <laughs> why? Because this isn't, two, it's not 2010 in, anymore. Well, but that's why he's on the shootout, because in 2010, he went eight for 11 to start his career in the shootout, so he permanently cemented his spot as the number two shooter in the shootout for it. And it doesn't that matter was coaching. And that was with a completely different coaching staff and organization, really. I think the only consistent is Mario at that. <laughs> I think he's the only one that's still there. Barkle. And Robert. But that's brutal. What is Latang still doing on our shootout? And I get the shootout sucks and it's boring. But I'm pretty sure Jake Gensel, I don't know where I'd be able to find that stat. I'm pretty sure he's like two for three in his career. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. just... Go ahead and look that up. Uh, Jake Gensel, yeah. of course, you know, he did the right thing. He went in, scored the goal, and he does have some pretty good hands. And that's why, because he's a pure shooter, he's a pure scorer, and he should be in the top three. And he probably will be moving forward. Hopefully we don't see too many shootouts. And as far as you talking about the overtime is concerned, the point of the overtime is to avoid the shootout. And both teams on Sunday did not look like they were trying to avoid the shootout. It looked like they were trying to buy their time until the shootout, if anything. I mean, I get you want to have the other team make the first mistake and capitalize. Sure, I understand that. But if they're not making the mistake, fucking go for it. (laughs) It's overtime. It's supposed to be fun. Trust your goalie. I don't know. You know what's really fun? Watching this whole Canadian team on five, any of the Canadian division on five on five. They are flying everywhere. The Canadian division has been very entertaining so far this year. My God, we're supposed to have a younger, faster team, and I'm bored to tears watching us. Anyway, overreactions are over for me. I want to discuss on how everything's going to be fine. We're turning it around. Oh, well, I do have one more overreaction. Oh, hell yeah. That. 
I have one more overreaction, and this one, you know what, I, I'm going to stick to my guns on this one. It might be a bit of an overreaction, but I think that this is something that should become a battle cry on Penguins Twitter. The Pittsburgh Penguins should trade for Phil Kessel. They really should bring him back. They should think about it. Their, their top six has struggled to score in the first three games, whereas Kessel has three goals in two games. And you know what? Arizona hasn't lost in regulation. I think that's what's missing for this Pittsburgh Penguins team is they need to bring back Phil the Thrill because their top six, I don't know. I don't know if Malkin can do it without Phil Kessel. I think that's the big thing. And if you can't sense the tone of sarcasm in my voice, then you really shouldn't be listening to the show at this point. That was incredible. <laughs> Do not agree, though, that that is probably the top overreaction. And the sad thing is, this is not an overreaction that I came with all, came up with on my own. This is an overreaction that I am repeating from a social media account that I will not mention because I will mention some other ones, the ones that commented on our, our social media post asking for overreactions, but I will not call out the person that actually typed that up and put that out into the world, never to be taken back. Oh, man, I hope it's the reason why we all have Pittsburgh clothing on our way. Um... I think I have another overreaction to toss in there. Aaron Dell got put on waivers today. No. You want a no. third string goalie? We need a third string goalie some NHL experience. Let's go. Also, Jason Spezza got put on waivers, although he said he would retire. I say we call that bluff. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. Oh my gosh, no! Like no to both of those. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I get the point of this whole segment is overreactions, but most of the stuff we've said here is basically to outline the the, the stupidity of of reacting to something in the first three games and not taking it with a grain of salt, especially the first three games of this season. So the ones that we got on online, uh, our buddy Richard Blosser said, fire everyone, where is Gino? And Fleury would have stopped that. I'm sure he, he probably copied and pasted that from right after Wednesday night and or Friday night's game, which is fantastic. So thank, thank you to him for, for responding with those. And of course, uh, hockey guy 66871 said, that last night's game, meaning Friday night's game against Philadelphia, was Coach Sullivan's final game. I still think he will be fired within the next 48 hours. Well, unfortunately, the clock has has run out on you for that one. And Mike Sullivan is still the coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Mike Sullivan will still be the coach for the Pittsburgh Penguins for the rest of this season at the very least. I, I, I would imagine yeah. that he has a little bit more of a leash than the first two games of the season against one team. So overreactions um, are fun. If you want to keep overreacting, I mean, this is why you don't do that sort of thing. Like, you don't overreact to two games, to two or three games. Alexis Lafreniere hasn't gotten a point yet. So, like, that's literally when somebody says something, I, I, I strive for our listeners to look at that and say the word so. What yeah. does it matter? It is two games. People got on Capo Caco for last year for the season he had. He went out and scored a goal on Saturday night. Pretty yeah. good goal. Because this is, like, because there's it's two games in there are literally no spat stats to speak of that's the that's the thing about people freaking out about these games that there is literally nothing to freak out about because no one's done anything we haven't had a preseason either so literally no one's done anything it's that's why it's always hard to look at like standings or stats or league leaders when you're two three games into the season unless you look at the goals leader and you realize Connor mcdavid's there I mean, that's expected, though. So, yeah, at the, same, at the same time, you know what you need to do with the standings? Ignore at all costs. Ignore the NHL standings until 20 games into the season. I That is a least. challenge 
for anybody listening here. Do not even think about looking at the standings until 20 games into the season because until that point, they mean basically nothing. Is that included this is that this season, though, considering we only have 56? Okay, 15 games into the season. Yeah, I would season. say like 10-15. Um, but also, whenever I said three goals, I didn't realize that was only from one game. He hasn't scored in the other two. Uh, other, other people with three goals consist of Max Comtois. He's had, yeah, he's had a pretty good start in Anaheim. Tomas Hurdle, Phil Kessel, Travis Konechny, Connor McDavid, and Thomas Tatar. One or two of those guys might still be in that, still be in this top goals conversation in a week. There's, yeah. let's stop freaking out. That's the that's the part that we're getting at here. And don't worry, Evgeny Malkin has been close to a point a game player, his entire career. He's not gonna come up that much short during the season just calm down he will get into it the second line will get into it i mean jason zucker has played pretty well but let's not get too deep into actually analyzing these past two games let's take a quick break here and when we come back we will analyze game two against philadelphia and then of course sunday's victory over the washington capitals we'll be right back this episode of the tip of the iceberg is brought to you by manscaped the best in men's below the belt grooming offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels got a crazy bush i may not be a contractor but even i know that if you trim your hedges your tree stands taller this is why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to manscaped's new and improved lawnmower 3.0 featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. A huge thank you goes out to DraftKings. Yes, if you heard, of course you did. The beginning of our episode, you know that we are now sponsored by DraftKings. So don't forget to use promo code THPN for some really great savings. Thank you to DraftKings. We're here going to talk a little bit more about Penguins hockey. We're going to talk about the Philly game, the second one, and then we'll get into the Washington game where we have a little bit of happier things to talk about with the victory. Horwat, let's start with Philly. What were your observations of that second game against the Flyers? <laughs> uh, my observations were, I hate this team, I hate this team, and I'm talking about both of them. <laughs> uh, to be fair, oh, that's right, we went down 3 nothing. <laughs> I we forgot did. about the game, really. I kind of just forgot about it. I left. I put it out of my head and I left it there. That's a pretty good thing for your mental health after after a loss, especially a loss like that. You just you know try to forget about it. Oh, I just we took. It, I yeah yeah I hate I hated both teams that night. Um, <laughs> they really they really made me think we had a chance and we went into the first intermission uh, down by one. Had me 
had me thinking, like, you know what? This team stole the Penguins. We can still turn this around. And Travis Konechny kicks in his second one for a hat trick, and they put Gritty on my screen again. Yeah, you're not a fan of Gritty. I'm not. I'm not too big of a fan of Gritty either. I, I don't. I don't know why. It's just the, the I'd fact like to, that I'd like to point out that we had an NBC broadcast for the for the first Flyers game and the Capitals game. Gritty was all over the screen for that first NBC game. Iceberg did not see did not see one second of FaceTime on NBC. To be fair, Iceberg doesn't get much FaceTime that much anyway. Yeah, but you got to be fair, don't you? They were too busy showing Chara every other fucking shift. Yeah, they definitely have a targeted point of, of storytelling, and for some reason, Philadelphia's only point of storytelling is Gritty. It's fictional characters? Yeah, which is sad, because you have a lot better stories than Gritty over in Philadelphia, but yeah, that's what Konechny, they... You got Konechny playing soccer. Yeah, I guess that's fair, too, <laughs> as well. But, you know, that game, they went down 3 to nothing. Tristan Jari gets pulled. We have yet to see him play a game since that happened. He allowed now, at that point, nine goals in four periods of hockey. Not all of that is on him. No. no. A lot of that is on the defense, a defense that we praised heading into this season. I believe both of us said that this defense is a lot better than people are giving them credit for, that this defense is a lot better than what it was last season, even though Mike Matheson and Cody Ceci were not too big of a jump from Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz, but it has just been really bad. I mean, Brian Dumoulin's making mistakes that you don't expect to see. Chris Letang is kind of all over the place. And then, of course, John Marino is trying to overcompensate with whoever he's playing with. Marcus Pedersen has been pinching very wildly, is not really in any control, leaving John Marino out to dry. And John Marino's also made some stupid mistakes. So the defense definitely didn't help Tristan Jari in those first couple of games. And the, the problem was they still could have won. They still could have won those games, even though they've made mistakes. Their defense played poorly, and Tristan Jari wasn't able to really stop the puck in that first four periods. They still could have won those games. The problem was their top two forward lines were absolute duds and still aren't, you know, aren't head and shoulders above where we expected them to be. They're probably not even exactly at where we expected them to be at this point. Malkin's line has yet to really produce anything other than one goal in, in Washington game, and that was due to a Marcus Pedersen snipe. The Crosby line, yes, with Evan Rodriguez, and we'll get into that now. I think we got into it a little bit earlier too, but I mean, Evan Rodriguez shouldn't be on that top line. Sidney Crosby has played well. He did have two power play goals in Philly, so you can't take that away from him, but Jake Gensel did not play well in Philadelphia. Evgeny Malkin did not play well in Philadelphia. The only guy other than Sidney Crosby in that top six that I thought had a good series there, was Jason Zucker. And it showed up to nothing on the score sheet. He just wasn't able to convert. He had plenty of chances, though. Yeah. Um, but getting onto the first line, just Evan Rodriguez just does, doesn't fit there. He looks lost all the time. And I'm looking at the cap friendly right now. We can't fit uh, unless, it, unless that three million is counting already. I don't. I mean, I could be wrong. I just don't know how this all works. Kapanen might not be able to fit in the cap. They'll make that work somehow. Uh, yeah. I'm just looking at it. I just. I don't know if his three millions already counted in there. They could. They can use the taxi squad. Remember that. Yeah, but I'm trying to. I'm just thinking too much. Plus, um, Matheson's hurt, so we might be going on IR, so that you won't have ooh, to account. There it is. That's a get, lot of fucking money. Yeah. So. <laughs> Never mind. That, We're good. I told you. They'll figure that out. They'll. they'll that's. 
why they'll figure it uh, out. But it, LTIRing at Matheson. All right, now I'm losing my shit. Yeah, that Philly. Back to the Philly game. I mean, you go down three to nothing. You make it three to two by the end of the first period, and then your offense goes dormant for the last 40 minutes of play. It's not a recipe for success. It was not a great game. Neither was Wednesday's game, and they struggled. And you know, like I said, the top two lines failed them. Zero five on five goals in both of those games. And you left it up to the third line, which was the only line to score at five on five in both of those games. They had three against Philadelphia, two for Tanev and one for Jankowski. Let's talk a little bit about that third line. We said we loved it. Yeah. I mean, what have you seen so far from that third line that you've liked? I mean, there's a lot to like right now. I, it's a, the immediate Tanev and Jankowski chemistry, which we touched on last episode, because, I mean, we should have been talking about that all offseason, that those two played four years in college together and were roommates. You stick a McCann in there who's trying to really turn his game around this season. Um, that should be a recipe for disaster for most other teams because that's a good third line there. I mean, Tanev is a guy that we said can play all four lines. He was kind of glued to the fourth last season. But now that you have a little more flexibility, Jankowski comes in to play third line center. Those two immediately have been clicking. I mean, scoring three of the team's first like four goals five goals something like that mm-hmm. it's they're there and they've been helping each other out with i mean jankowski hadn't you know an assist on tanev second um it's great fun to watch it's gonna be interesting to watch all year hopefully those at least those two should be staying together those two are the chemistry while mccann's there putting in his two cents and really driving some play for himself I love this line for so many reasons, and for one, it's because it's exactly what Jim Rutherford said he was looking for in youth and speed. Mark Jankowski has been – we said that he is, has made – and by he, I mean Jim Rutherford has made some questionable moves over the past couple of years. The signing of Mark Jankowski has, has turned into the opposite. It has turned into a very smart signing at least three games into the season. Again, take it with a grain of salt, but Mark Jankowski has looked pretty good. He's defensively responsible, which – him and Tanev on that line makes it very difficult to score against. And the fact that is that Jankowski has seemed pretty dangerous in the offensive zone, not yeah. to mention you know Tanev and McCann as well. But that line has shown that it is going to give other teams fits, which is good because the Pittsburgh Penguins, instead of now leaning on those top two lines like we expected them to do, can relegate to that third line and give them 15 minutes a game where they know they're going to go out there they're going to be defensively stout and they're going to get really good grade a scoring chances and possibly you know turn the tide of a game that's what the penguins have been missing they've needed a third line center not to say that jankowski is the answer just yet but as of right now he's certainly looking like it let's just hope that that continues along this road yeah he's got he's already he's already got as many assists as he had last season two so hey an improvement is an improvement somewhere. Um, granted, Jankowski's last season, we really shouldn't worry about. That was Calgary was so weird last year, and he was part of it. We look at the year before where he had 32 points in 79 games. That's what you're looking for. Look for something in that kind of range. And that's what he can easily give us, especially if he's playing with a guy like Tanev and whoever they decide to put in McCann's spot, as for now it is McCann, obviously. But line shuffling, always a common thing. I think it's fair to say, and we'll go. We'll move over to the Washington game because Philly ended and we were 0-2 and Penguins Twitter was ready to burn the house down and fire Mike Sullivan and fire Jim Rutherford and 
uh, ask Mario Lemieux to sell the team, and, and then that's the way that they were they were trending. And luckily, a Sunday afternoon game, the home opener against the Washington Capitals, have calmed down the spirits of the Pittsburgh Penguins fan fan base. And you're one and two now. It was a good game. It was exactly what you expect a game between the Capitals and the Penguins to be, in which it's close. It's back and forth. It can be high scoring. It was pretty physical as well. And the Penguins, luckily, this time came out with the victory, not to mention the fact that it was in a shootout, which I don't really like because I don't I don't like the shootout at all. But you got to win. That was the big thing. And, I mean, at the beginning of the game, the big thing to me was the PPG didn't look bad when they finally t- turned it to white. Uh, the on their helmets. Ah, yes. Sorry, the logo. That looked great, actually. I see. Like I said, it's a they're a paint company. They should have multiple logos of multiple colors. Mm-hmm. It's, that's their that's their brand, and it looks good. I like the black on the black helmet. It's a good look. <laughs> I now we have to worry about the away one still being blue, but you know, can't win them all. I think yeah, we yeah. discussed at a fair amount of length about advertising on uniforms during the after hours last night. Yes. Uh, which has made me very tired today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and as far as that game is concerned, it started really well for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Less than a minute in, Evan Rodriguez gets a deflection goal past Samsonov and makes it one to nothing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But after that, the two goals that they gave up were, were kind of worrying to me. The first one, of course, was because Sam Lafferty turned the puck over right in front of the net, turns into a goal that just barely squeaks past the goal line. I, I don't know how close it was, but it, it looked like it was about a fraction of an inch over. Oh, well, it's one-to-one there. And then, of course, something happened there with John Marino and Marcus Pedersen on that second goal, Ovechkin's first goal of the season. John Marino looked a little bit intimidated by Tom Wilson coming in on his back. Ducked I don't his know head. why. I got scared. Huh? I saw him duck his head, and I was like, don't do that. Don't do yeah. do not do that. Just, you got to keep your head up and make the same play that you're going to make if anybody else is coming out. I'm not sure why he had that reaction. I mean, he had the opportunity to just go up and off the wall and out, but instead he, he ducked, he pulled it into his body, and Tom Wilson, of course, turned the puck over, and then Marcus Pedersen didn't help either by kind of running into Casey DeSmith and not really covering anybody, leaving Ovechkin wide open. With a wide open net, and of course he's not going to miss that. I think it was his 707th career NHL goal, so he's back on, on track trying to chase down Wayne Gretzky. But as far as the rest of the game was concerned, it was it was back and forth. Sidney Crosby had a Sidney Crosby esque game, a lot of effort. He didn't have too much to show for it at the end of the day, but the team picked up a win. I'm pretty sure everybody in Pittsburgh feels a lot better tonight than they did going to bed last night, and that's mainly because not only did you get a win. I think it was big for them to beat the Washington Capitals. Huge. I mean, especially a game where, I mean, you hate to say it, but damn, Tom Wilson looked good. I mean, looked like a fucking scumbag, but, you know, looked good. Um, he's a, Nobody ever said he's not, well, at least I've never said that he's not a good hockey player. There have been people that have said he's just a goon and he's not good at hockey, but they're wrong. He's a good are. hockey player. It's just the way he plays the game sometimes is infuriating. And I'm not going to lie, if he was on our team, I probably wouldn't mind it. But he's not, so I hate it. Uh, I probably wouldn't mind it either until he got suspended again. And I'd say, why the fuck is this thug on my team? Anyway. It's it, it's when you cross the line and hurt your team is when it becomes an issue. But Tom Wilson has, you know, since 
a, a really rough start has kind of remedied that, but let's not continue to, to give him accolades. But the game went after, you know, after a bad first period, the game went fairly as you would expect a Penn's Capitals game to go. And luckily the Penguins got the win. What did you see from the Penguins effort today that was missing from the previous two games? Uh, the defense looked good. The team looked a little bit faster and I, I don't, it wasn't, it still wasn't the greatest game. First of all, like I still can't hang my hat on and say, I'm confident, fully confident in this team going forward. I still want to see them shoot a lot more. My God, do we make a gazillion passes for no reason? Mm -hmm. We're still getting blown up on two on ones going the other way. And I, I mean, hey, it was a rivalry game, so it was at least entertaining, and we pulled out a win, but there were still many things to fix, just like how the last Flyers game, it was a loss, but there was many positives to kind of look at. This one was a win, but my God, look at all these negatives. Mm-hmm. What the hell? That The passing is the big thing that I noted, especially in the first period. It, it was really noticeable. Sometimes you just got to put the puck on the net. And that's something that the third line did really well in Philadelphia, but it's something that wasn't happening at all at the beginning of this game. I mean, Evan Rodriguez, I think, is the biggest culprit. I don't know if he's trying to compensate for not ever really playing top-line minutes and playing with two guys like Gensel and Crosby, but sometimes you just want him to shoot the puck. Like, it's a two-on-one. If Gensel or Crosby gets it to you, don't be afraid to shoot it. Don't feel like you have to give it back to them, and I'm not you know, preaching this to him because he's an NHL player and he knows that, but it just seems like his first instinct is to get the puck off his stick as quick as it gets on there. And that's not always the way to play it when you're playing with guys like Crosby and Gensel, who so much of their game is timing and space. And if you can't hold on to the puck or if you keep just getting rid of the puck as soon as you get it and not even getting it on net, that's not going to help you stay on that line. That's not going to help you stay in the lineup to be completely honest, because with a third line playing as well as they have the first three games, that makes it harder for the bottom six players to really find a spot because you know Bluger's not going anywhere. You assume Sam Lafferty is probably pretty safe in his position, so you're really looking at taking on Colton Sevier for that last spot. And if you're Evan Rodriguez, now that Kapanen will probably be either playing in the next game, if not, he'll definitely be playing in the following, you're going to have to fight for a spot now, which is something you didn't have to do in the first couple of day- games. It was an opportunity for him to show that he deserves to stay in this lineup once Kaplan came back. I'm not sure he's he's done quite enough to, to say that that's a possibility. That's completely fair. I mean, he, I don't think he should be in this lineup, and that's just the way I look at it. Um, you wonder who else has kind of looked terrible, or at least he did on Sunday. I don't know. And, and for the most part, in the two Flyer games, uh, Brian Dumoulin. Yeah, I'm not sure what's up with that. It's not, and it hasn't been like big, costly, bad plays, but it's been the little things that he just hasn't been able to accomplish this year. Like, I don't know, making easy passes to, um, you know, Latang or breakout or small breakout passes, easy little chips into the zone. He's just kind of looked all over the place, mm-hmm. and it's really weird. It you harped on him for the goal that he cost in the in the bubble. Yes. You know, that's kind of what he's looked like all season so far. That exact moment. And there might be a parallel there, being that it was a very short 
training camp. There were no, I mean, in, in the bubble, there was one exhibition game, but there were no exhibition games. He might just need a little bit of time to get going. And, and for the Penguins, that's what you hope that he can do because he is your best defensive defenseman. John Marino, John Marino has not taken over the number one defense slot from Latang, and he has not taken over the best defensive defenseman slot from Dryan Dumoulin yet. We expect him to by next season, hopefully, probably next season. But Brian Dumoulin needs to be better for the Pittsburgh Penguins to be better. Like I said at, at the beginning of the show, we came into this season saying how much better our defense is, is going to be this year, and they have not been anywhere close to the, to the word good. They, they have been actually pretty awful so far this season. Yeah, and they've already gone through changes. I mean, after one game, CeCe gets healthy scratched. After two games, Mike Matheson goes down with an injury. So we're going into game four, and we're looking at Ruedel and Regula already at the bottom the bottom pairing. Which, to be fair, it's kind of what we wanted. Yeah. It's kind of what we wanted, but since we weren't going to get it, now the circumstances are, well, why the hell are these two in there? What happened with these other two guys that we kept you know, hearing so highly about? We brought these guys on for some reason. Matheson's hurt. All right, that's fair. Let that one slide. CC, what's going on? Cody, come on. One bad game. One, one bad game. One bad game? That's That sounds about right. And a lot of people are not upset about the fact that Cody CC has been healthy scratch the last two games, but at the same time, he's going to have to play at some point, especially Matheson's out long-term. Now you're just thinning in that defensive side. If there were questions about whether or not P.O. Joseph was going to play an NHL game this season, I mm -hmm. think the question has been answered. There's a high possibility that he gets in sooner rather than later, especially with the injury to Matheson, especially with the fact that it doesn't seem like Mike Sullivan trusts Cody Cece just yet. So we'll see, especially because is in, and we're happy about that. We're Ooh. big advocates for Yusuf Rikla on this show. And he looked but how good. How long until he he did? He looked Still pretty he good. Looked good. But how long until Mike Sullivan gets frustrated again and then benches him? Hey. You know what? Ricola plays left def left defense. Matheson plays left de left defense. Pio Joseph plays left defense. We might see him in before the end of the month. That's 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 quite the possibility, and I'm not sure whether or not Pio Joseph is ready. But hey, he's on the taxi squad. He's the only defenseman on the taxi squad too. So yeah, clearly there's only one way to find out if he's ready, and that's you know go in. Someone thinks he's ready at least. I mean, I get Trotman went down with it. Also had. Uh, meniscus surgery but he beat out churchman who is 30 and has it's i grant it it's been since like 2014 has nhl experience that's not nothing especially when doug put it perfectly in our group chat the penguins love hockey politics yeah the penguins love hockey politics so the fact that he was able to beat out a 30 year old let's call him a veteran an ahl veteran at least uh for a taxi squad spot, so he's got to be ready. He has to be. I don't think we would have made that move if he's not at least merging onto ready. It's definitely going to be something to keep an eye out for. You said by the end of the month, I completely agree, I, especially the way that it's been going with Cody Cece. I think that if something happens with that bottom pairing between Ricola and Ruedel, then I think Cody Cece is probably the first guy to get another shot back in the lineup. But if that doesn't go well, which there's a high probability that it won't, considering Cody Cece's overall ability, then you might see P.O. Joseph by the end of the month. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? 
we don't know. We've never seen him play in the NHL. He's definitely our top defensive prospect, but whether or not he's ready is something that we'll find out probably sooner rather than later. But we have one more thing left. We're going to talk about our Pens poll after a quick break. But before that, of course, we have the Penguins schedule this week. They're going to stay at home for their next couple of games. They have Washington on Tuesday at 7 to look forward to. And then next Friday and Sunday, they're going to play the New York Rangers, welcoming in Alexi Lafreniere and the Blue Shirts. But as of right now, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. Our pens pull. What is up, everybody? Mikey CLT here from Bar Down Breakdown, letting you know that our 100th episode is going to be dropping exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network on January 27th. We will be joined by special guest Derek from the amazing pop punk band State Champs. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our socials so you do not miss any of our amazing episodes. We are so pumped that we have made it to episode 100. And to thank you, we are running an Instagram contest where one lucky winner can win a Steez brand snapback hat. So head over to our Instagram and enter our contest. Also, if you are just hearing about Bar Down Breakdown, make sure you go and check out our 99 other episodes where we have had artists who have been nominated for Grammys, all the way down to artists who are unsigned where we dive into the crossover between alternative music and hockey. So make sure you go and check out Bar Down Breakdown wherever you listen to podcasts, brought to you exclusively by the Hockey Podcast Network. Tip of the Iceberg, Season 2, Episode 14. We're going to finish it off with our weekly Pens poll. I mean, before we even get into that, it's just a weight off the Pittsburgh Penguins' shoulders and a weight off our shoulders that they've won a game. Just wanted to mention that one more time, that they beat the Washington Capitals on Sunday. Hopefully they can ring in the uh, series sweep here and fully, you know, recapture the excitement of this season that we had on Wednesday of last week. But our Pens poll for this week, who will lead the Pittsburgh Penguins in goals this season? Currently, Sidney Crosby is tied with Brandon Tanev for the team lead with two goals apiece. But the poll says that Jake Gensel is going to win and it wasn't particularly close the poll and meaning our listeners 63 percent said that jake gensel is going to lead the team in goals this year 15 percent said Sidney crosby in third place evgeny malkin finished with 12 percent and brian russ the reigning goals leader for the pittsburgh penguins finished this poll with 10 percent horwat who do you think is going to lead the penguins in goals this season and what do you think about the results that we're looking at right here uh, the results are flawed because I answered incorrectly. Did you? Who who did you I, answer incorrectly? I wanted to vote for Gensel when I missed and hit Crosby. So I was going. I was they, leaning. T- I was leaning toward the winner anyway. I was and about to say I don't think it really changed the outcome. No, <laughs> but it's still flawed for what it's worth. And yeah, I just think Gensel because if he can get a full season under his belt, if he can find some open space and get his groove going. I mean, now we can discuss it. Like he's just got to get his groove going, find the pucks and start, you know, making good shots. He rang one off the post um, in the Capitals game that I'm looking at. How the hell did he squeeze that through three guys, a jumping Crosby 
and then passed a goalie to hit the post. I'm more impressed that he hit the post than he put it in. That being said, Gensel's going to bury pucks. We know this. It's just a matter of time. He'll click. I think he's the guy to go to go to go to this year as the goals leader. And I mean, Crosby's going to be up there for sure because he always is. Usually has to be, but he's usually not the goal guy. He's an assist guy. Especially whenever he has Jake Gensel on his wing. The, the big thing was from the time Crosby and Malkin entered the league until a, two years ago, they won the goals lead for the Pittsburgh Penguins every single season minus the 2012-13 season when Chris Kunitz was able to win it. But two years ago, Jake Gensel wins it. Last year, Brian Rust wins it. So it's been two years since either Crosby or Malkin have led the Pittsburgh Penguins in goals. I would expect that that would come back this year. As much as I think Jake Gensel is going to have a pretty good season, even though he hasn't scored a goal yet, and as much as I, I would like to say that Brian Rust is going to get back to his form from last year, I still think Sidney Crosby is going to lead this team in goals. I mean, he's the captain. I had him earlier a couple weeks ago. I predicted that he was going to win the Art Ross Trophy, and if I'm going to stick to that, which could be a hot take, that's fine. That's pretty hot, If I'm yeah. going to stick to that, I'm going to have Sidney Crosby leading the Pittsburgh Penguins in goals, and simply also because he's had a lot of time off. I think he looks a lot more hungry to put the puck in the back of the net. And I think especially depending on how Kasperi Kapanen adapts to this line, that'll really measure whether or not Sidney Crosby wants to score more goals this year or get more assists. And yes, he is good enough where he can decide which one he wants to do. And I just think that this year is going to be the year that Crosby takes it again. Especially if we keep playing from behind or we keep giving up other goals where it's just going to drive him to say, all right, I'm doing this myself because no one else wants to do it. Yep. And you know what? That's the kind of Crosby we need to see more of anyway. That's kind of Evgeny Malkin we need to see, but he we need to see Malkin Russian, at all. Russian hibernation. Let's, we need to see Malkin at all, period. Because that second line, we said it last Monday when we were talking to the boys over at the Three Pigeons podcast, this second line that the Pittsburgh Penguins have as of right now should be the best second line in hockey. There is no reason that it shouldn't be at least top five as far as second lines go. It's it's a first line on at least 10 teams in this league. And the fact that they have started off as slowly as they have, it, it's mainly due to Evgeny Malkin because he has to be the catalyst for those guys. If Malkin doesn't have his game going, I doubt Rust can get his game going. Jason Zucker has proved, the, proved otherwise. He has proved that he can create offense on his own, but at the same time, he hasn't been able to finish. This line needs to get going, especially if the Pittsburgh Penguins want to compete with some of these teams in this division. Yeah, yeah, perfect. I, I mean, we I think we weren't the only ones saying that they were going to be the best second line in the league. Everyone was kind of backing that statement, and it's it still seems like it could be true. People just got to connect. I mean, it finally it took Malkin until the third period of the Capitals game to finally look like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, but at least he looked like he knew what he was doing for the first time this season. Yeah, we're just got to get the train rolling. We're, we're moving here. We're moving. Got the one win under our belt. Momentum is a big thing in hockey. I don't know how much momentum we actually gained because it wasn't the greatest of games. Mm -hmm. But it's something. It's a W. And we, we see them again on oh, we see them again on Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, Let's hope it, that Pittsburgh Penguins get a win there in regulation. Yeah. That's the next thing you need to look for. Because you can't keep going to overtime against these teams because all the points go against you directly in the standings this year. There's no, well, we're playing a Western Conference team, so if we give them up a point, it doesn't really matter. Every point is going to be very, very important this year, especially against teams like Washington, 
especially against a team like the Islanders, against the Boston Bruins, and against the Philadelphia Flyers. So let's hope the Penguins can go out there and get a regulation win on Tuesday against the Capitals, close out the clean sweep of Washington. And if they don't, we'll see what we discuss on Thursday morning's episode. Horwat, that is going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Another big thank you goes out to our newest sponsor at DraftKings. Uh, thank you goes out to our other sponsor at Manscaped, who has been here for a while now. We thank both of those two companies for bringing you guys the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, our loyal sponsors. That's going to be it for this one. We'll see you guys on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.